um, hung on a tree so that we would be with you forever. You paid our debt. You paid our price. You paid our blood. The perfect sacrifice because you told us that greater love has no man than that he lay down his life for another. And so, Father, your children are overwhelmed and awed by the love that you have for us. We are thankful, we are grateful, and it is our prayer that you instill in us this spirit and desire to love the way you love us. In the name of your Son, amen. You may be seated. It's good to see everybody today. Um, before we get started with the message today, uh, it's with permission that I share with our church uh, the, the Nehemiah, uh, one of our shepherds and Meredith are asking for your prayers. Uh, she's been in the hospital this last week. And so just their family's asking for prayers for the doctors and for them as they go through, uh, complicated medical issues. And so just keep them in mind. Uh, let's just pray for them now. Heavenly dad, we want to lift up our brother and sister to you. Thank you so much for their love for you. Uh, thank you for their love for each other. We pray that your spirit and your people would be an overwhelming, relentless wave of love and affection for them. The type that casts out fear. In Jesus' name, amen. And um, <clears throat> it's fitting that that's the name of our message today, that love is greater than fear. Uh, we're continuing with our series on 1 John. Um, so let me kind of introduce it like this. When life is going well, when things are smooth, it's easy to forget about fear. But the fact is, this world is full of peril and burden. But it makes sense, right? Fear is the last thing on our minds when we're winning, when things are good. But when things get heavy, when things get scary... We are reminded just how much we need one another. And we begin to crave fellowship and connection. Because when discouragement, hardship, and rejection, and fear hits, the last thing we want to be is alone. Words become really cheap. Religion becomes worthless. And the only thing of true value is perfect love, the way we defined it last week in 1 John chapter 4. The kind of perfect love that originates from God who first loved us before we could even think about loving him or each other. And in those moments when life gets really heavy, we want to know who loves us. And it's not their words that we crave. It's their actions. It's their choices and their sacrifices that bring us confidence that we are, in fact, loved. And this is the reason that John has spent so much time with his readers about loving one another. And today, this part of chapter 4 is a gorgeous, beautiful, massive crescendo of a seminary level discourse on the crucial nature of loving one another. It bears special importance for us today considering our prayers 
and our heart for the Thompson family. So let's read the passage. By this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love, when he says that, he's talking about how we love each other. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So let's look at the history of this passage. Uh, As we have noted before in this series on 1 John, this group of believers was feeling rejected. We've established that this was one of the effects of this horrible Gnostic theology was that the faithful were feeling abandoned. The bad theology had robbed them of their confidence in the work of Christ and more importantly, the confidence to the connections they had in their lives. Some examples that they were definitely rejected by men. Their faith in the apostolic gospel and the cross and the resurrection, that faith had been belittled and mocked and scorned as silliness. And the actions towards them were the antithesis, antithesis of the way God has defined love that we talked about last week. And this public scorn had made following Jesus quite a lonely pursuit. So that's one of the things they were feeling is the rejection by the culture, rejection by those who once claimed to love them, but really didn't because their actions spoke far louder than their silly little words of I love you. Then we also see that they were struggling. Maybe we are rejected by God. Have anybody else ever been there? Another effect was that these believers were struggling with doubt. If they really were ready to see dad face to face. I mean, we believe John and the apostles and what they say. But what if there's a slim chance these Gnostic guys are right? What if their words are true? What if we are not going to be prepared for the day we see God face to face? So that's why John spent so much time defining what perfect love is and how it is defined not by words, but by actions. That best source of confidence in the gospel is in the transformed ability to love one another. That's why he says in 1 John 3, 18, little children, let us not love in words or talk. That's where we kind of get the phrase talk is cheap in our modern vernacular. But indeed, And in truth. The ultimate expression that they understood was that Christ gave his life for us. Christ didn't say, I love you and do nothing. He came and died. So that's the history. Let's talk about the spiritual. I want to talk about the impact of perfect love. So today's passage teaches that the best way to overcome uncertainty and fear And I stop there because I know that many in our church are dealing with uncertainty and fear right now today. 
Fear that many of us can't even put into words. But you have it. You know it. You feel it. But we overcome this fear through the perfect love as defined by the examples of Jesus. He reminds him that Jesus loved the world and how he loved it was through sacrifice and that is how his children should love one another. And that love is manifested in us and we are able to do it because God made the first step by loving us and his Love of us with that perfect love results in an unavoidable impact. The first area that impacts us is confidence. Confidence that, by the way, maybe log logically would seem to be ridiculous. It's in verse 17. He talks about this, this, this confidence we can have. And I have a verse I want to share with you. Hebrews 14, 6, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help when everything's going great. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what it says, is it? Confidence to draw near to the throne, not the drive through The throne of grace that may we, receive, we may receive mercy and find grace to help when we need it the most. I mean, when else would we need assurance and confidence other than in the face and fear of judgment? And we can have that confidence because the act of Jesus' perfect love of sacrifice casts out that fear of punishment. It's his sacrifice which is the ultimate expression of perfect love. And how we know that he will and has done anything and everything necessary to save us from the fear of death and judgment. And so that perfect love with which we were loved first before we even wanted it gives us confidence. If he was willing to go that far, even unto the cross, there's certainly nothing that he won't do to save those who he loves. But then another impact is there. We have this idea of perfection. In verse 18, it says we're made perfect. And if you're not perfect, you don't love. And that's a scary word, right? Perfect. It's the impact of which is the action of love. And it's far superior to feelings that we glorify so much when we think of love, don't we? I mean, when we think of love, it's feelings and emotions. But that's not the definition of true perfect love. It's not that our love is emotions and feelings that give evidence of perfection. But what happens is that perfect love with which he loved us begins to change our choices and our actions. I mean, let's be honest. All of us have felt hatred and anger towards some of our brothers and sisters in Christ at one time, have we not? Let's be real. We've all been angry at other Christians. Thank God our love is not emotions. Because if it would be that, we'd have no confidence. But because we tend to see love as feelings and emotions, that can play into it. But God's definition of perfect love is not feelings and not words. It is actions. 
What we do when we do right by our brothers and sisters, even when we don't feel like it, even when we have assumed in our imperfect way that they don't deserve it. The love initiated by God toward his children is having an irreversible, undeniable, unstoppable impact and effect of perfecting us. That which was previously depraved and selfish in our thoughts, in our actions, in our understanding of what love really is. I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 10, 14 to 16. Here's what Paul says. For by a single offering, by the way, offering, sacrifice his life. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time. Those who are being sanctified, in other words, those who, he has perfected those who are being perfected. Isn't that great? He uses all sorts of timelines in there. By what he did in the past, he has future perfected those who are currently being perfected. He died so that we will be perfect and are being made perfect even as we speak. That's pretty cool. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, that abiding spirit that John talks about so much. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And that perfect love begins to change our thoughts and directions and actions. That's a good verse. Thanks, Paul, for writing that. That was really good. Because what we see here is this perfection that this perfect love gives us. It is a current, ongoing process that will culminate in total transformation that is worthy of heaven. We aren't there yet. But it's coming. It will happen. And the results allow us to currently face the end without fear. Ephesians 5, 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In other words, perfect. I love this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, perfect you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So we can see that this perfect love is making us perfect. It's about learning to love, getting better at it day by day, moment by moment, trial by trial. It is evidenced by the moment you stop asking, what is it you need from your church? And you start asking, what does my church need from me? How can I sacrifice for my church? That's the moment where you know, oh my goodness, something's changed. I'm not looking for what I can get. I'm looking for what I can give. That is not wanting to be loved. That is wanting to love. Which brings us to the last impact of this perfect love. It is affection. And it's spelled out in verses 19 through 21 of today's passage. I love what Jesus says in the gospel of John. John wrote this. <clears throat> A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. 
How? By words? Nope. Just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And what kind of love it is, it's not a pat on the back. It's not a go get them. It's a sacrifice for them. It's an example, it's his example and his act of love that gives us a passion to do the same for others. Once you, we have been loved by God with that perfect love, we become lovers of others. It reminds us again and again of our need to love other people. We will be a source of encouragement and comfort that helps others battle fear and rejection and anxiety that this world will definitely bring. This is the inevitable benefit that all of those whom God has saved will display and be for others as he has done likewise for us. This affection is a result of behavior. This affection is a result of action. It doesn't come before the action. It becomes a result of the action. Our new nature does the right thing. And then those feelings of affection follow. You think you have feelings first, but it's actually the other way around when it comes to perfect love. That's the theology of what the love is doing to us that John talks about in today's passage. So now let's talk about the personal side of this. What about us? What are we supposed to do? We need each other. Even when we think we don't, we do. Because I want to talk a little bit about frightening isolation. I can tell you this for me personally. Living without you, my church family, is a frightening thought. Sometimes even when you miss a week, it's frightening for me. I can't even begin to list all the burdens that come from isolation. Life without God's family? Are you kidding me? The emotional, social, spiritual hopelessness? When life on earth does what it will inevitably do and get too hard? The resulting bitterness and sorrow and anxiety and depression, and discouragement, and loneliness, and fear, the feeling of desperation when you look around at the worst moment of your life and you realize, oh no, I am alone and separated from God and his people. Who wants that? I don't want anything to do with frightening isolation from God's people. But that's why we have the benefit of fearless unity. So here's the, uh, the uh, sermon preview I put up on social media this week. The best way to overcome fear is to stay together. So on one hand, the courage derived from being connected to God's family, no matter what, compared to frightening isolation, that's amazing. I can tell you from personal experience, taking the hardest blow that life can give you. When you are surrounded by people who, imperfect as they are, are trying their best to love each other as Christ loved them. Wow. That is the kind of love 
that can give us the courage to get through almost anything. Trust me, I know. The moments when others or life deal you the worst possible blow, God's people were my most precious treasure. And they will be yours. Even if you don't realize it now. These are people that we are going to just be hopeless and lost without. The indescribable courage and comfort that we derive from those God is perfecting through his own love, I cannot in words make you understand how much you need it. But it's that perfect love that God loved us with first. Our unity, our sacrificial love, inspired and born out of first being loved by the perfect sacrificial love of God himself through his son. And it's no secret when the outside looks in, when they look at our lives and our fearless unity, they know why we're connected. I love what Paul says in Romans. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And he puts this here just in case you don't understand what he means. Outdo one another in showing honor. Loving each other through action is the best source of courage and resilience and comfort. But more than that, it is, listen, the best proof that the work of Christ is perfecting you. Why do we love each other on earth? Because God first loved us. We are being perfected in love, resulting in not cheap words, but actions toward one another. It is the best evidence and affirmation of God's perfect love within us that can cast out fear for the day of judgment. And coupled with the promises of God, they are the best source for courage and hope when life gets overwhelming and frightening. What John is saying with this crescendo at the end, he's saying, look, you're feeling like some doubt is creeping in. You feel like you're not sure if you got it right. Well, I've laid out that you do have it right. You believe what I've taught you from the beginning. all these other things, but I'm telling you, the best way to know is seeing that you love one another with affection and sacrifice. Matter of fact, it's a contest. Who can sacrifice and love each other more than the next? Outdo one another, showing honor. Because I can promise you this. When you go through it, and if it hasn't hit you yet in your life, some of us, Some of you have been blessed by going through it and seeing how important God's people were. But when you go through it, I can promise you, if you're a child of God, you are going to run to his children. You're going to want them there at every moment. You're going to want to know they love you. You're going to want to know they're there. And you know what? Because God is perfecting them, they will be. And that love can overdo and overrun and cast out fear. Dad, I'm so thankful 
for the love you've shown us through Christ. Love that we didn't really want. But now that you've given it to us, it's changed our definition and our direction. And we know that when times get tough, your people are going to be your hands and feet to us when we need it. Thank you that perfect love, even love that is imperfect, but being perfected right now as we speak, can overcome the fear that the world loves to heap on our shoulders. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is the moment uh, during our service where we are uh, going to respond with our gifts, with our tithes and offerings. Um, so we're going to invite the team to come through the room now. If you um, have any gift cards for Thanksgiving, you're welcome to place them in the baskets as well. Um, but just know that everything that you give to Grace Life, we give so much back.